But tonight, I want to I wanna talk to you about pulling down strongholds. Um, in this life, we're going to have battles and we're going to have struggles, but God has given us everything that we need for our victory. In Ephesians 6.12 And I'm reading from the Amplified. In Ephesians 6, 12, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly, supernatural places. And so we've got to realize that we are in a fight. It's not just your... You're not just thinking that. I mean, we are truly in a fight. We're in a battle. And so, but here's the thing. We are in a battle, but God's given us the keys that we need for our victory. Now, when I tell you we're in a battle, most of our battles, I won't say all, I won't say 100%, but most of our battles are going to start and they're going to take place in our mind, in the battlefield of the mind. Satan's primary attack is on our minds. And if he can get us to think contrary to the word, then he's already defeated us. And here's the thing. The warfare starts in our mind, but it doesn't stay there. It quickly spreads. The enemy puts a thought in your mind, and before long, you're meditating on that thought. You're thinking about that thought. And when I say meditate, you're thinking deeply or focusing your mind for a period of time. So he puts that thought in your mind, and you begin to meditate on it. And you begin to think about it. And then before long, you begin to speak it. And then the next thing you know, you're acting on that thought. And here's the thing. When you speak a thought, you have taken ownership of it. Once you speak that thing out, you've now said, okay, this is my thought. I'm going to take it. It's mine. And so one, just one ungodly thought and lie from Satan can hold you captive your entire life. And I know I've shared this before, but I know my own story the best, right? I know my own life, my own story the best. Uh, I was always told, I was told my whole life that uh, when my mom found out she was pregnant, she told my father, and he didn't want anything to do with her or me. And that one, that one lie controlled me my entire life for 52 years. That one lie that my father had abandoned me, my father had rejected me, he didn't want me, it controlled me my entire life. Then the enemy told me, the enemy told me my stepfather had rejected me. And so I dealt with such a spirit of abandonment and rejection because of one lie. 
It wasn't until last year um, I had taken a DNA test in the fall of 2020. I got my results back New Year's Day 2021. It wasn't until I got my results back, <laughs> number one, I found out my dad was not who my mom had always said he was. He was somebody different. But then the big, even bigger than that, I found out that my father never knew I existed. She never told him about me. She never told him that she was pregnant with me. She never told him about me. And so here, I had bought into the lie I had grown up thinking my entire life, and it had literally controlled my life, controlled my thoughts, controlled my actions. It controlled how I, how I viewed God, because I thought surely he would reject me too. He must not want me either. And then I found out my, my father never even knew about me. Um, and that was confirmed by, by several people in, in my, the other side of my family. Uh, he never knew. Um, and so he, he, did not, he did not abandon me. He did not reject me. But that lie has controlled me my entire life. Um, now, yours could be something different. It could be another lie. But it could be just as powerful in your life. Whatever that thought is within me. Well, nobody likes you. Nobody likes you. Nobody wants to be your friend. You're not talented. You're not anointed. You can't do this. You can't do that. You're nothing. You're nobody. You'll never be anybody. You'll never accomplish anything great. You'll never do anything great. I mean, it, whatever the lie is that the enemy's telling you. You're sick. You'll never get well. You'll never recover from this thing. Or you're poor. Your whole family's been poor. You're going to be poor the rest of your life. Your kids will be poor. Your grandkids. Everybody in your family will be poor. That's just the way it is in your family. I don't. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. But there's a lie. There's a thought and there's a lie and it's controlling you. And it is literally wreaking havoc in your life. And so that, that one ungodly thought can hold you captive. Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. This is so powerful. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Some of us, we don't even have to get out of bed before we lose the battle. I mean, literally, we could just wake up and the devil can be like, you're a loser. And we're like, okay, we're a loser. We haven't even gotten out of bed yet. But we buy it. We believe it. We're a loser. Or he can tell you whatever it is. But a lot of times we haven't even gotten out of bed. We haven't put our feet on the floor yet before we've already lost the battle. And so, um, I just want to talk to you about pulling down those strongholds. Because here's the thing, we can't fight a spiritual battle in our flesh, in our own strength, in our own ability, our, in our own wisdom. We have to fight it with the Word and with the spiritual tools that God has provided. Look at 2 Corinthians 2.11. Second Corinthians two eleven. 
So it's to keep Satan from taking advantage of us for we're not ignorant of his schemes. And we can't be ignorant of his schemes. We've got to be wise. Look at 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. Does anybody have it amplified? If not, I've got it right here. I could pull it up. You do? Okay. Can you read 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 5? I thought I had it pulled up, and I didn't. Thank you, Jesus. So we see that the weapons of our warfare are not physical. They're not fleshly. They're divinely powerful. Thank you, God. Um, so we've got to do what this says in, in 2 Corinthians 10. First of all, we've got to pull down strongholds. And in this case, a stronghold is a thought. We've got to pull down those strongholds. And we've got to cast down imaginations. I, I like to look up words. I, I, I like to look up and see, okay. I mean, I know kind of what things are, but I just like to look them up and see what does the dictionary say. So an imagination is a mental image or concept that is not actually present to the senses. So the enemy puts a thought in your mind, and then from that thought you form this imagination because you meditate on it and meditate and meditate, and you form this imagination, an imagination that's not true. But we form this, this imagination, and then that thing begins to control us. And so we have got to cast those thoughts down First of all, by watching what we set before our eyes, look at Psalms 101, verse 3. Psalms 101, verse 3. It says, I will set no worthless or wicked thing before my eyes. I hate the practice of those who fall away from the right path. It will not grasp hold of me. So we have to watch what we set before our eyes. And it doesn't necessarily have to be what we would automatically consider evil or wrong. But it could be something that causes you to doubt God or His goodness or His nature and His love for you. Uh, we have to watch what we set before our eyes. We have to meditate on the Word 
and ungodly thoughts. Look at Psalm 19, verse 14. It says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my firm and movable rock and my redeemer. So we have to cast those thoughts down, and we have to, um, one of the ways we do that is by watching what we set before our eyes. We have to meditate on the Word and replace, replace those with godly thoughts. Um, look at Psalm 1. Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2. And again, I'm reading, I'm reading this out of the Amplified. I, I really just like what it says. Blessed, fortunate, prosperous, and favored by God is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, following their advice and example, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit down to rest in the seat of scoffers, ridiculers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law, his precepts and teachings he habitually meditates day and night. I don't know about you, but I, I want to be blessed, fortunate, prospered, and favored by God. So the way we do that is not by meditating on what the New York Times or one of the other news outlets says, but the way we do that is by meditating on God's Word. Meditating on His Word, putting that Word before us. By delighting, taking great pleasure in God's Word. Look at Philippians 4, 8. says, finally, believers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable and worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think continually on these things, center your mind on them and implant them in your heart. So instead of meditating on what the news headline says, I don't know, I, I haven't read the headline because I just choose not to. I have found that I personally have more peace if I don't. But I've heard people talk and say that the headlines are saying we're in a recession. Well, here's the thing. I haven't read that, I don't believe that, and I don't choose to participate. I choose to believe that my God shall supply all my needs right. according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Amen. I choose to believe that he's my source. That's right. So we've got to think about what the word says. So whatever area that you are personally 
struggling in, battling in, if it's your health, if it's your finances, if it's your marriage, if it's your job, if it's your family, whatever it is, get into the Word and find out what the Word says about your situation. Put it before your eyes. Um, I am such a visual person. I like to have things before me. I like to physically be able to see it. I really like... I really like being able to physically touch it and turn to it. But this is a different version, so that's why I have my phone here. But I like, I like being able to see something. And I also, uh, I also think it's good sometimes, don't just read it, but maybe read it out loud so you can hear yourself say it. Um, but here's the thing. When a thought comes at you, don't just immediately... Don't just immediately say okay and start meditating on that thought and meditating on that thought and speaking that thought out. Ask yourself a couple questions. Ask yourself, does this thought line up with the Word of God? Does it bring me peace or torment? Does it promote love and unity or discord and strife? And if it doesn't line up with the Word, if it doesn't cause you peace, if it doesn't promote love and unity, then you need to cast that thing down. We, we would do so well to start just putting every thought to the test. Because we, we are able, I forget the exact number, but it was like some really large number how many thoughts we think a day because our mind is just constantly thinking. And so you've got to be diligent to really test those thoughts. Because if not, you're going to be bombarded with these thoughts, and before you know it, you're going to be uh, believing them. I mean, this is a little silly example, but a couple weeks ago, I was in line at Walmart. Now, here's the thing. <clears throat> I, was, I was grocery shopping. I had a lot of stuff. When I first got up there, there was nobody in line. And I, I typically end up going through the self-checkout, which I had said I would never do that, and then I, I started doing it. I typically do that, but I thought, hey, here's an actual person. There's nobody in line. She can check me out. But anyway, I don't know if she's new or what, but it was just messing up really bad. And before I know it, there's probably seven people behind me. And, the, and I, I don't like... I just don't like causing stress and strife. And the enemy was telling me, these people are mad at you. <laughs> they're, the enemy's telling me, they're mad at you, and, and you're, you're holding them up. They want to check out. They're ready to go home. And the longer I got there, I mean, I was, getting, I was physically getting hot. I broke out in a sweat. <laughs> I physically was getting hot. I broke out in a sweat. And so I, I just kept saying, can you just cancel my transaction? I'll just go through. If you could just cancel all of this. Because it was just messing up. She didn't know how to fix it. And I was like, if you'll just cancel it, I'll go check myself out. I will go to another register. Like, no, no. And she kept trying to get somebody. And I kept looking behind me. And I see these people. No one said a thing, but in my mind, they were like really mad. See, in my mind. In my mind, they were like really mad. And I was just stressing. I mean, 
I, I'm seriously, I was like sweating, I was hot, and I'm just like, please, 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 can we just cancel this? And so finally, she got, she wasn't really sure how to cancel it, but she got another little cashier over who knew how to cancel it, so that little girl canceled it, and she said, come over here, and I'll open up a new one. I was like, no, that's okay. <laughs> I'll do it myself. I, and I told her, I just told you, I said, I don't like making people wait. I just don't like that. She goes, well, technically, uh, my line is closed, so don't worry. You're not going to make anybody wait. She said, I'll be happy to stay with you as long as possible. So, so we ended up going to her line and redoing everything. Just then, a lady from the church walks up. <laughs> And I hear her say, boo, or something like that. And I look, and I was like, hey. And um, I, was just, I was just feeling really stressed. But here's the thing. Nobody said anything, but in my mind, I took a thought, and I made it my own. And in my mind, I was convinced everybody was mad at me, and they were like, lady, get out of the way. Now, that's a silly thought. I mean, that's a silly thing, but... It's how that thought took over. It took over, and it just caused me a great deal of stress. So then I was stressed. I got the way home. I was like, oh, Jesus, I'm sorry. And, uh, but it all started with a silly little thought that those people are mad at you. You're holding them up. They just, they just want you to leave and get out of the way. Now, come on, do y'all not have thoughts like that sometimes? Um, it, it really is. And so, we got to do the, the Philippians 4.8 test. If it's not pure and wholesome, lovely, and brings peace, <laughs> we've got to cast that thing down, and we've got to think continually on the things that do bring peace. We've also got to renew our minds. This is so important. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God to present your bodies, dedicating all of yourselves, set apart as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational, logical, intelligent act of worship. And do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes, so that you may prove for yourselves what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in His plan and purpose for you. So we've got to renew our minds with the Word. And again, whatever it is that you specifically deal with, get into the Word and find out what the Word says about you. Whatever it is, if it's, if it's your healing... I referenced this a little bit Sunday, but here's the thing. I was pretty much healthy my entire life, and then I really don't know exactly. I just somehow injured my back in 2011, and I started having all these back issues. I had had back issues before, but typically if I, if I went to the chiropractor once a month and got an adjustment, I was able to, to keep it in check. 
But in 2011, that just, it wasn't happening. And it was a, it was a real battle. And actually, I remember, I remember um, just crazy. My, my back started hurting me. I've told you all this story before, but I had been out of town for work. I got back into town, and I was meeting my husband for lunch. And so we were sitting, eating, and when it was time to go, we went to stand up, and I couldn't stand. My, my back would not come out of the sitting position, and my husband thought I was just being funny, or trying to be funny. And he was laughing, and I said, this is not funny, I, I can't stand. And it took me a few minutes, but finally I was able to stand. And then when we went, walked outside, he was getting his car, I was getting mine. That time I, I couldn't then sit in my car, like my, my back would not let me bend to sit. Um, I finally was able to get my car, go home. That night at supper, kind of the same thing. We were going to sit down for supper, exact same thing. So after we ate dinner, he said, well, why don't you, why don't you just go to bed and, and rest, and maybe you'll feel better tomorrow. And so I went to bed. Now, initially when I woke up, I thought, I thought that it was better. But when I went to, when I went to sit up and get out of bed, if you've never had a disc pressing on a nerve, I just don't even know how to explain it to you. <laughs> I literally screamed. Um, so I had a bulging disc. It, not only was it bulging sitting on top of my nerve, it had ruptured. So the material on the inside of the disc was spilling out onto my nerve. And literally, I could not, I, I, I couldn't even sit up to get out of bed to go to the bathroom. And so I was just screaming. Art and Timothy came running into the bedroom. And... They literally had to get on either side of me and help me to the bathroom. And I wasn't able to walk all weekend. Uh, I, I had to stay in bed. And, and um, to be honest, the devil told me, you're never going to walk again. I mean, he was assaulting my mind with all kinds of things. He was telling me, you're never going to walk again. You're never going to be able to get out of this bed. And... So that was kind of the start of all that, and, and I won't bore with all that, but so anyway, I ended up having to have a bunch of surgeries. And Rhonda, I mean, you've been through a lot, a lot of the back surgeries, I know. It just does something to you, not only physically, but mentally. And not only are you fighting a physical battle, but you're really fighting a mental battle. I mean, you are really fighting a mental battle. And uh, so there was that period from about 2011 to the present <laughs> where I have just really, it's been a mental assault. It's been a mental battle that I have, I have to constantly fight this battle. By Jesus' stripes, I'm healed. And uh, so what I'm saying is... Uh, the thoughts that I think are so important. Am I going to listen to those thoughts? 
to say this is the way it has to be, it's never going to get any better, or am I going to take what the Word says about me and take God's thoughts? And, and that's what you have to do. Um, so I, I don't always win it. There are days. There are days. Uh, I don't always think right. There are days that I don't always... Um, have a right confession, right speaking, but but it is a daily battle, and it's a daily battle for all of us. And you've got you've got to pull down these strong, strongholds. You've got to cast these imaginations down. You've got to think the thoughts of God. Um, another <clears throat> really big battle for me, and I'm just I'm just trying to share with you, just hopefully just to encourage you. In, in the midst of all that, I had, been, I had been trying to work on my Ph.D. And I'm telling you what, there were many times when I thought, I'm never going to finish this. I'm never going to finish it. Um, because it felt like I never would. Because school itself is a challenge, but then you add to it all the physical challenges and physical battles. <clears throat> and um, here's what I had to do. I had to get a mental image of myself. I had to get a mental image of myself completing it and crossing the finish line, which to me the finish line was walking across the stage in my cap and gown and my regalia and getting that degree. And I remember telling the devil, devil, if I have to crawl on my hands and knees, I'm going to cross. <laughs> I'm going to cross. I'm going to finish. I'm going to do this. I just, for me, that was the dogged determination that I had to have. Because he was doggedly telling me that I wouldn't finish, so I had to have that determination that no matter what, I'm going to do this. Here's the thing. <clears throat> you can't fight a thought with another thought. You have to fight your thought, um, that thought with words spoken in faith out of your mouth. Look at Psalm 116, verse 10. Out of the New King James. Psalm 116, verse 10. <clears throat> Psalm 116, verse 10. I'm going to get a drink of water. It says, I believed, <clears throat> therefore I spoke. <clears throat> I believed, therefore I spoke. We're the same way. What you really believe is what you're going to speak. If you want to know what you believe, listen to what you've been speaking. Take an honest inventory of what you've been speaking, and that's going to reveal what you believe. Look at 2 Corinthians 4.13. It 
Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. If you want to know what you've been thinking about and what you truly believe, listen to what you've been speaking. <laughs> because our words, our words will, will give us away. Um, Brother John Osteen said this next thing and it just exploded in my spirit. And it ministered to me so much. He said, our thoughts are seeds, and they produce after their own kind. That just exploded into my spirit. Our thoughts are seeds, and they produce after their own kind. So if I plant an apple tree, what am I going to get? If I plant watermelons, what am I going to get? If I plant tulips, what am I going to get? The same, the same is true. The same is true with our words. Whatever you plant in your heart in abundance is going to come out. Whatever thought that you take, that you meditate on, that you think about over and over and over, that's going to be the thing that you begin to speak out and you begin to act on. And that thing is going to produce after its own kind. So here's the thing. Change your thinking, change your life. Change your thinking, change your life. This is not, not to bring condemnation on anybody, because we are all works in progress. We're all on this journey together. We're all learning. We're all growing. But if you've not been thinking godly thoughts, if you've not been thinking correctly, if you've not been thinking what the Word says about you, then change it. Repent. Repent. Curse those bad seeds. Command them to fall to the ground and die without bearing any fruit. And then get into the Word. And I love to just get into the Word. And I like to, with pen and paper, I like to write down scriptures that really minister to me that, that maybe apply to what it is I'm, I'm researching or, or looking. So get in there and see what the Word says about that particular thing. Find out what the Word says. And then read that and meditate on that, and think about that, and begin to speak that. And then before you know it, that thing's going to begin to produce in your life. Amen. Let's stand. <clears throat>